That'll be in the second one, which will be like a buddy dark comedy with Colin Farrell and Dominic Cooper. Yeah. That's, that's the sequel yeah. we need. It's called uh, Dead Men Down. Yes, clearly. Yeah. Because there's two. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Dead Man Down. So I saw Dead Man Down when it came out in theaters. And I really liked it. I had some issues with it. And then I probably watched it again like two or three years ago. And I was like, I really like that movie. Um, watching it last night and today, I really, really liked it. Um, it held up a lot better to me than I thought. And I think the thing I like about it the most is despite like some, some few issues here and there with like some of the scenes or acting or plot or whatever, I really like the, the kind of tone shifts of the movie as far as like, you know, it's kind of a, a drama for most of it. And then there's just these like really kind of loud, elaborate, like action moments, um, specifically right. the last like 10 minutes. I just really like the the combination of those things. And I think it's, it's cool that it didn't, the movie didn't like stay in one lane and was like, you know, let's do all of these things we want to. Um, and I think this probably has to be the best movie ever made by WWE Studios. Um, actually, I will I will disagree with you on that. There was a movie called The Call with Halle Berry where she's like a 911 telephone operator. And that one was produced by them and was also pretty good. Well, I haven't seen that one. So I was just mostly talking about like the Marine and then that Stone Cold Steve Austin Battle Royale ripoff. Did you ever watch that? Um, no, but in, in doing a tad bit of research on this movie, I did run across, um, a few of those titles plus many, many more that I was kind of scared, honestly, when you told me to go watch this movie. And that's when I noticed it was produced by WWE studios. Uh, cause you know, your first inclination when you see that is like, oh, this is not going to be good. Um, and I, I guess knowing that Colin uh, Firth is in there. Uh, it's, really, it's really funny that you had to think to say it wrong. Yeah. Uh, Colin Farrell being in there and being like, you know, okay, so this can't be that bad because he's in it. And then then i started doing a fun thing because you know what believe it or not when i did work in la there was a lot of these kind of like low concept action movies that were just kind of dealed out and 90 percent of like the bodyguards or the muscle men or like the big buff guys in the background were either current or ex-wrestlers or like current or ex-football um players and uh, as soon as uh, going into this, I kind of try to spot all the uh, maybe like WWE wannabes that mm -hmm. were like sporadically spread through the movie. Um, pretty much any, any thug hired by Terrence Howard's character, I could almost assume that was the case for that. But um, and then anyone with an actual speaking role is probably like an actual actor. 
Uh, yeah, I would say so. I think the the main one is the the just the big dude that looks menacing that doesn't talk and had to open the mailbox. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was this one speaking part where he's like, "Oh man." <laughs> <laughs> um, I you serious guys. You know, I mean, it, it did take me a little bit to get over that part of it. Um, and then to be fair, I looked at the reviews and it it's bad online. But so so was the the call movie I was talking about earlier with Halle Berry. And I actually liked that one. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to give it a fair watch because maybe... Well you, well, you had to. We were doing an episode on it. No, but I mean like a fair watch. Like where I'm not sitting there like... This sucks. Yeah, in my in my mind palace the entire time. So doing that, I'm glad I did. Because like you said, there are a lot of good things about this movie. Um, but being my, you know, true negative self, some acting was just really bad. Um, and then some editing choices were just really bad. And I don't... I just, and I don't know about you, but some clips, the sound just cut off. Um, I don't know if that was just my connection or if that was just like, no one gave a shit editing this movie. Um, Remember when I said the dog in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly looked like a stick figure and then it just turned out to be my internet connection? Yeah. Maybe that's what this was today. Yeah. Well, trust me, the editing choices where it was this clip, I'm pretty sure twice, it showed the same clip. Okay, so do you remember when, um, and we're skipping around, but I, I have to do it for a second to explain this um, editing choice. When Terrence Howard uh, finds out that his phone's tapped and he gives the fake nine o'clock meeting. Uh, so right. he's like, whoever shows up at nine is the guy. And uh, of course, Colin Farrell shows up and so there's a shot of one of uh, Terrence Howard's goons in the, in the shadows next to a pillar, like recoiling his shotgun. And then I'm pretty sure that exact same clip was used like exactly to show that he like recoiled again behind the pillar. Um, and then there was another editing clip where Colin Farrell is talking to his dead wife's uncle. That was her uncle, right? Or was yeah, that, that was, his? That was her uncle, and that was Salieri. That was Salieri. Wow, Salieri's aged. Yeah, that's what happens. Um, so when uh, there's a clip where it's like it cut into Colin Farrell's close up, and then Salieri like walked across the screen, and then it cut back to Colin Farrell's close-up and it, it was a cut that just did not make any sense but apart from those two things and a few sound issues I was like okay solid movie yeah and what I really like about this movie is because I think part of the reason that it's like grown on me is the movie is fairly subtle in the way it tells the story there isn't there isn't any opening exposition to it it's like you learn things about Colin Farrell as the movie goes along. And like, even in the last 
45, 30 minutes of the movie, you're still learning things that are kind of important to the plot. And I think doing it that way is, is a cool choice, but it may lead to people thinking like, oh, this doesn't make sense. You brought up the reviews and that was like, honestly kind of shocking to me because I think if this movie came out today with as much shit that comes out on streaming services all the time, that people would just be like, that was awesome. You know like, what I mean? Like, like, like instead of WWE, it was like a Netflix original. You think people would like, like it more? I just think because like nowadays movies just, they don't feel like full movies a lot of times unless they're done by like really great directors, right? The guy that directed this is the same one that directed the uh, Swedish version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo which I think is a, you know, I, I like that trilogy. I think, uh, you know, that and the, the Fincher one's also great, so. The guy who wrote this um, wrote basically absolutely nothing before this. Uh, no, he did like a few TV show, like TV episodes here and there, and then something in, in the early 90s, but. Um, so this was the thing he was working on. And he, hitched, and he hitched his wagon to WWE. I guess, man. I mean, it's not a bad movie at all. But, you know, when you were trying to describe this movie to me, you were like a a poor man's John Wick. And that's kind of what it, what it reminds like John Wick before John Wick. Um, uh, except yeah. without any of the charm or <laughs> um, kind of obscurity of john wick the the other thing i had about um this wasn't really a problem but i think it was a bit predictable um except okay so we you were just saying that there was parts of it where you keep learning about colin farrell's character and i agree with you on that 100 percent. but as the overall story goes i think it was really predictable um of what his mission was and what he was trying to accomplish and kind of how the movie was going to play out. What I didn't realize, hold on. What I didn't realize though was to me, it was a twist and it was like, all right, I'm like into this movie now was when the moment you found out that Victor Laszlo was the one who killed Polly in the beginning who set all this up in the very, very, very beginning. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, I really appreciated that. Well, one of the, so one of the, the things that I think can maybe, like, you can take points away from this movie and it's not really something they can do anything about. I guess you could just write it differently. But having the movie start out with Colin Farrell being the most famous person in the movie, but this sidekick henchman, you're like, okay, well, something's up here. Um, when did you realize that he had killed Polly, though? Was it late in the movie? Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like late, late in the movie. It wasn't at the end. It was somewhere in the middle where I think you, you are in his um, secret room and you see all the cut, cut up pictures in that certain way oh you know what i'll tell you what it is it was when they opened the mailbox and you have the sound bite from the video that he was listening to and that's when it all connected to me you see so what i from this movie i think it was fairly obvious to me that and i haven't obviously haven't seen this in like eight years but i thought it was fairly obvious that he was the guy behind all this 
But what I think I, I like that the movie does is it doesn't like treat the audience as kind of dumb on that. And it's like, it lets you in on that pretty early on in the movie. Um, especially I think he meets with, uh, and we'll start going through it, but he meets Salieri pretty early on and just talking about like, oh, you know, why are you doing it this way? Why are you taking your time? You could have killed him at any moment. Um, that part I was confused about um, until the end. The end pretty much cleared that up for, for me. But um, like I knew he was double-crossing Terrence Howard the entire time. I knew that he was there for a reason. And then slowly you learn his motivation. So when did you, when did you realize he was in the picture? The mailbox. Okay. Well, thought... what, what I'm, he had, the, what I, he had the same haircut. Honestly, that could have been any guy, David, um, with a beard and that haircut. Um, no, but, but seriously, the killing Polly was really the only part of it that I was like unclear about who did um until it was the mailbox until I was like oh it's him it's him the whole time because he's doing it this because of this and yada 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 and I, I, I don't know I mean yeah if if I was I guess really really thinking about it um I probably figured it out sooner but that's when it all came together for me yeah, and, and I do agree with you. There are there are certain points where I think the acting is really great, and then there are certain points where I think like it's over the top. Um, specifically, I think Terrence Howard and then um, Numi Rapace, who plays Beatrice. Yeah, I think those two have some like just completely like crazy like deliveries, and but that's like it. Like they both know how to act, so that's obviously like the choice of like who edited it and you know the directing of it. So. Um, but there were some scenes where I was just like, man, maybe another take, maybe a more, uh, subtle, a more subtle take on this one. They didn't even bother me that much. What bothered me was the kind of the side characters, like the mob bosses that they were meeting and stuff like that, you know, like clearly B actors who were trying to, you could see that they were trying to match the same kind of energy that Terrence Howard had, uh, and just couldn't. And, um, are you talking about Armand DeSante? Is the guy in the cafe? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That's uh it's unbelievable. You just go at him like that. And almost all the uh all the henchmen. Except for uh oh man, what's his name? The, Dominic the... Cooper. Yes. Darcy. He's, good. he's like he is one of my like favorite underrated actors. He's just so great in everything. And I think he is like really great and this is kind of like a a dumb guy that for some reason you really like and mostly because you meet his baby and and baby mama in the beginning but yeah well he was great he was almost the best thing about this whole movie besides Colin Farrell obviously I get what you're saying um I do like too like as we were just talking about the way they set up the beginning of like him holding the baby and like I think the the dialogue he's given there is pretty good about you know even the most broken heart can be mended. It's clearly a little bit on the nose because it's like directly talking about what Colin Farrell's going through. But you little don't really... che- little cheesy. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But in his like dumb accent of like, <laughs> like he barely can get the words out. Um, I-, I like that. Um, and then you like directly get into the action of finding out Polly's dead. You don't even get to spend any time with Polly 
um, and he's already in the freezer. Well, actually, one of the things, and now I guess we can just start talking about the, you know, the scenes, scene by scene. Um, That's what we're doing. Oh, good. Okay, I'm I'm caught up with you. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting about this movie is how it does start and where you are coming into it at the beginning. Like, you're right. Like, Polly's already dead. He's already in the freezer. You don't know what happens. You don't know who any of these characters are. You don't know who Terrence Howard is or Colin Farrell or who's running the shot. You're just completely blind. You just know there's a dead guy in the freezer. And, um, like you said, the movie doesn't treat its audience like they're stupid hoes, right? So you have this uh, slow figuring it out through the movie. Um, well, that and leads also, you to the Jamaican say, house, yeah. But the movie starts to three months after he started receiving these letters and, and pieces of the picture, right? Right. And 11, like 14 months after Colin Farrell has joined his crew, and then even further after, you know, what happened to Colin Farrell and we'll get into it. Um, but that's, you know, that's, it's cool to like start in the middle, like when the action's like getting good. Right. And like, it's just like, Hey, well, let, you know, through the dialogue, through very natural dialogue throughout the movie, we're going to let you know what happened. Um, but we're not going to over explain it to you. We're not going to put in things that wouldn't make sense to put in there. Um, and I, I think that is part of the movie that's really done well. Um, yeah. And, the uh in finding Polly in the freezer they uh find one of the pieces of picture in his mouth and then a piece of paper that says 719 now you realize um i don't know we never really get what the 719 means and it i think it's probably just for the way the seven's drawn but there's no other meaning to like the full 719 i don't think i don't think so i think that's uh i think that was the point of it but that was also kind of cool how Colin Farrell knew that he was going to be fixated on how the seven is done. So that's the way he did it just to throw him off the trail. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like it's the, it's the part of his plan that worked out perfectly. Really the plan stopped working once Beatrice got involved. Um, everything before that worked pretty well. Women always ruin everything. So he goes to this British gangster's place because he thinks he's the one who has been sending him this stuff. Um, and I just love, first of all, the, the hooker's like, am I going to get paid as a root? Like, like four dudes storm in and like with guns and you're just like, like I, they're going to let me leave, but no, I want my money too. Um, I guess good choice. And I think this, this scene is cool. One, because it's like after after watching the whole thing, you, you kind of realize like Colin Farrell could have killed him at any any time he was in, right? But that's not what he wants to do. He wants to completely fuck his life up, um, get him scared, and then kill him, like, you know, at the at the end when everything has been taken from him. Um I like when uh Terrence Howard makes fun of the British guy because the British guy says, This is not on, you're not authorized to do this. And he's like, You British guys, it's it's not cool. Like making fun of the way he talks? Um, Jamaican. What do you mean? Well, they kept saying that you you killed a bunch of Jamaicans. What, isn't he Jamaican? With a, um, with a... I, I mean, Terrence Howard says you British, you British people always do that. I know. I guess you're right. 
Maybe he's Jamaican with a British accent. <gasps> Maybe he's British with a Jamaican accent. He didn't have a Jamaican accent. I don't know what that was about. Um, so the shootout was cool. I like that. Still has you in the dark as the audience about like what exactly is going on. Um, and even has you as the audience at that point convinced that Colin uh, Farrell is like very on loyal. Yeah, on Terrence Howard's side. Very loyally on Terrence Howard's side, yeah. Right, and that's why, you know, earlier I said, oh, it's it's kind of hard for them to uh, to keep up a charade of like, you know, why is Colin Farrell just this side henchman? But I think that part at least kind of red herrings you into thinking, oh, well, you know, he's not going to kill him. And Terrence Howard even says later on in the movie, it would, you know, which also little on the nose dialogue, wouldn't it be something if after saving my life, like you're the one that kills me? Um, but yeah, no, that whole shootout's cool. It's, it's shot really well. And it also, I think is the scene is confusing the way this apartment is set up. Right. And I think it like, it adds to like the anxiety of that shootout where you're like, I don't know where everyone's coming from. I think it just makes it a more like, I don't know, like a visceral scene almost like it's just, well, I mean, whether that's done on purpose or just, you know, by accident, I guess it, it works. Poor staging? No, it works. <laughs> well, yeah, poor staging. Because, you know, when they're looking at each other across the alley through the windows. Right. Terrence Howard and, and Colin. Um, I'm pretty sure in the shot, Terrence Howard ducks right. Yet the, bed, the headboard behind the bed where he was hiding is on the left side of the bed. And... When I saw that, I was confused. But did you find it kind of funny how the henchmen moved the headboard back and Terrence Howard was just like right there? <laughs> he hid like a three-year-old. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> well, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of places to go. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it ended, I guess it ended up working out for him. Oh man. But anyway, so as we uh as we go on, we meet Beatrice. You know what's funny about her character is that when I was reading the like the short little you know what this movie is about on IMDb, right. um and I was maybe like five minutes into the film at that point, uh, but it was like, oh uh undercover mob guy played by you know colin farrell um enacts a, a revenge upon leader terrence howard for ruining his life so the entire time up to the point where it explains exactly oh this is happening now i was confused i was like okay so he's loyal to him now in the beginning of the movie uh terrence howard is gonna do some fucked up shit in the middle of the movie and then uh he's gonna turn on him at the end of the movie um, little did I know that everything was already in play at that point, but I thought that the enticing event was going to be Terrence Howard killing Beatrice. Inciting event? Inciting? Yeah. What did I say? Enticing. It's also an enticing event. Um, it is. Yes. No, this is kind of, kind of what I thought at first. So I was just like waiting until it's explained to you about his daughter and his and his wife i was just waiting for beatrice to die <laughs> right I, one major takeaway from this is like 
this is such a Hollywood thing to do is like, she's supposed to be this woman who's been mentally like scarred by the physical scars she was given in this accident. And it's like, she still looks really pretty. Like, like the scars are there obviously, but it's like, I don't believe that little kids would be running after her, calling her a monster. How, so I was actually confused when we first meet her. Cause she, it looks like she's getting her ear mended by a doctor but I'm like, didn't that accident happen months and months and months ago? Well, they make it out that she needed uh, several surgeries. Um, and I think the worst of the damage is like normally covered by her hair in the, in the back. But she said she needed like several facial reconstruction surgeries. Mm. Which also, she's out of work. So how she pays for that with insurance? Really I good guess. insurance? Maybe there's, a like a lo- well, maybe there's like a lawsuit. Oh, no, there wasn't, right? Well, that guy is rich, so he probably did have to cover her medical bills. That's another thing I, I didn't quite understand. And this is getting a little like, oh, it doesn't really matter. But I, I think what we do best here at I Finally Watched is talk about aspects of movies that <laughs> doesn't really matter. Um, he has a BMW. He lives in a really nice house in a seemingly nice neighborhood. Yet he's out of work. Well, he probably lost his job because of the accident, because he had to go to jail for what, it was a couple of weeks or three weeks or a month. And then also he just horribly disfigured a woman and it was kind of a big story. There were newspaper clippings. So kind of, kind of made me sad for him in the, in the sense that, well, hold on, listen, in the sense that maybe he became such a down and out alcoholic because of all the guilt that he felt that he did to this woman. He caused the accident because he was drunk at the time. Oh, he was always an alcohol. I got. I don't feel bad for him anymore. And he was getting pretty handsy with that woman at the bar later in the movie. So, um, yeah, you're not you're not supposed to feel sorry for him. He okay. is not a character with layers. That guy. <laughs> okay. All right. Sounds I did good. like the staging of when Beatrice and Colin Farrell. Like, it's not. You don't necessarily think it's when they first met because they. Well, you do see when they first met, but the first time they notice each other, but she like waves to him and he waves to her. And you just think it's like, oh, it's just this, these people that constantly see each other. I, I like the way the buildings are set up because it's like, and it's kind of similar to the, the Jamaican crack house where there's like, you know, parts of the building jut out and then jut back in. And so then you can have these windows that just face each other and they're sort of in this, although those might've been separate buildings, but in the Jamaican house, that's how it worked. Um, and but I just like the setup of her character, her like overbearing French mother, um, and then just the way they meet, where she sends him the the letter. Like I think that whole setup is very quick, but but good. Some 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 parts of this movie I feel like were written as a like some details of some characters I felt like were written as a way to solve other problems. Like for example, making the mother deaf. Um, in one year was a way for her to still be in the apartment, but then still taught being able to talk about killing a guy right in front of her. And then they're like, Oh, but she's in the next scene. How do we solve that problem? And they're like, Oh, just we'll we'll make her deaf. She's deaf in one year, but is that going to, no, no, it's fine. And then it's just like, that's why. I mean, I guess they could have just had her conveniently go to the bathroom a lot. Oh, I just had prunes. (laughs) I'll see you guys in five minutes. I did like, uh, it's such a small thing, but how she was like, do you like my mom's cooking? My mom's cooking is good, right? 
and then it, and then you find out that it's not her mom's cooking it's she's cooking i thought that was kind of cute well yeah because and that's another way to just like you almost don't realize it that this movie is turning into a bit of a like a love story you know what i mean like the way it's done you just sort of like it keeps building and then you just happen upon it and you're like oh i guess these two do like each other I mean, I, I guess so, but like in the beginning when they first like meet cute across from the buildings, you think that, and then it throws in what I like to think is the most what the fuck moment in the movie where she basically fakes a date with him and then you find out that he fakes a date with her to find out if she actually saw him kill this guy and for her to be like lure, luring him to the place where this guy you know, fucked her face up with the car accident and just spring it on him like, hey, look, I, I know you killed that guy and I need you to kill someone for me. And I was just like, what is happening right now? I think as they're driving away is probably the worst acting in the movie of them just screaming at each other. That's the scene where I'm just like, yeah, not, not great for me. I do think the dinner also does, a, it's a, a, it's like a purposeful exposition, but then that just makes sense, right? Because it's the first date. These people have never really talked to each other. And so you find out like he's Hungarian, but he doesn't have an accent because he's Colin Farrell and that wouldn't be his accent. And then she was a beautician who had her face messed up, which obviously, you know, I said that her scars didn't look that bad, but it would still obviously cause her mental issues, especially probably considering like the work she did. Um, but yeah, then she just is like, oh, I want to take you somewhere. And he's like, where? And then, you know, takes her to this is the guy takes him to yeah takes him to this is the guy that caused this i've seen you kill before and you're gonna kill him and then just as they just speed off she like jerks the wheel of his car and like i think what hits the e-brake that just she hits the fucking e-brake and i was like see when when i uh mostly most of the time in movies when a character hits the e-brake on the car of a fast-moving car it flips I was like, this is turning into a movie not about gangsters and mobsters at all. And it, it's actually kind of commendable, commendable to the writers um, and to the movie as a whole. How many pl- plot threads are just throughout this whole movie, yet it still works. Right. Well, and, you know, if you e-brake like a kind of a, um, a more squat car, you know, one that's not too... It was like, a truck! I know, that's what I'm saying. The, tr- the truck may have flipped as many times as it spun. Um, and, you know, he pulls a gun on her when she shows him the video, and she's like, hey, either you're going to kill me or you're going to kill him, but you're going to kill somebody. Um, and he can't kill her because he's not actually a bad guy, right? And that's kind of a little bit of your first clue that he isn't a bad guy because... If he was, he would just kill them. I also thought Terrence Howard would probably kill the the Latin maid and the the other guy uh, in the beginning of the movie that that let Polly's dead body get in there. Like, I'm pretty sure he would have killed them, like in a in a different movie. Yeah, 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 I know, I know what your thought process on that was. Um, I like maybe the only way of like why he didn't it's because he's like i told her not to turn off the phone and she's like i didn't turn off the phone he's like oh well shit she says she didn't turn off the phone i guess it wasn't her fault (laughs) well it's also probably he uh 
you know, it's hard to find good help. She knows how he likes everything. And he's like, I'm not starting over. Um, the next scene is uh, Colin Farrell meets Salieri, who, uh, you know, F. Murray Abraham. And he, he is, did He did what to Mary Abraham? <laughs> he is the uncle of Colin Farrell's ex-wife. Yes. Who was murdered. I don't. I'm trying to think of when you learn it because I've seen this movie, you know, three. Is it your ex-wife if she's murdered? He's a widower. Yeah, but I don't think you would call him an ex-wife. Ex-wife. Can't be married to a dead person. Late wife? Late wife. There we go. Um, And they meet this guy, Andreas, who gave them a body for the grave because you find out that Colin Farrell was left for dead and Andres gives him this really cool looking gun that he's going to use in a very shortly in a scene. Yep. Um, but then this is also some, you know, you get some details in here because Salieri is very concerned about Colin Farrell. Cause he's like, you've been there for 14 months. Like, why aren't you killing this guy? Um, and I do love the quote of like, always kill the devil quickly when you find him. Yeah. Which is just like, you know, if you savor it, you're just, you're just taking the chance of him getting away. So it's just like, just do it. He's not, you're not a bond villain. Just kill the guy as soon as you can. What's uh, what's actually really interesting is that he actually puts a lot of people that he didn't need to put in danger as this movie goes along. Um, Beatrice is one, I guess Beatrice's mom would be another one, even though she never really has a threat against her. But she could. She could have. Um, but in like like in the beginning, finishing him off real quick in the in the Jamaican drug house shootout would have solved a lot of problems. Yeah, he could have just let him die. Yeah. Or just shot him himself and been like, oh, they took him out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but he wanted to get him and the Albanians all in the same room if you want to talk about lazy writing making albanians the bad guys again (laughs) yeah i mean what other country did you want them to stereotypically make bad i mean the french just do russia russia's easy when they first started speaking in the beginning i was like is that russian and then they said albanians are Um, you saying making russians not the bad guy is not stereotypical I'm saying it's just at this point, it's just what you do. Like, you know, don't overthink it. I guess. I mean, here's the thing, right? Is that when his plan was all coming together, I was kind of trying to figure out why does he have this, the brother of the dude in like a, in the warehouse thing. Yeah. In the boat. I was so freaking confused. And then it, and then it made sense how it was just a setup to get, uh, to get the Albanians on their toes to record the thing and to turn them against Terrence Howard. Um, well, once again, they don't explain any of that to you as it's going through. Um, I, that is one of the coolest like set pieces of this movie or in like most movies, just that finding that abandoned boat and just like the montage of him, like walking through it to get down to this place that no one's ever going to find. Right. Like even if they saw him going to this boat, 
it would take them forever to search the whole thing to find that dude in there. Less WWE money. For sure. Um, real quick, though, I think the Salieri scene, I'm just going to keep calling him that, and then him watching the home videos and you hear his Eastern European accent, I think that really starts giving everything away that, okay, this guy's like this double agent and he, he has to be the one who's doing this to Terrence Howard. No, no, no. 100% that's when it gives that part away. Um, and then it definitely comes full circle when the mailbox, and they open the mailbox, because that's where you hear the sound bite is when he's watching it, and that's where I connected it. And I knew, I knew his plan. I thought there was a third entity at work, uh, you know, right. fucking them up, and then just that connected that it's, all the same guy that it's all Colin Farrell. Um, well, I, it's, go ahead. Uh, explain to me maybe. So Terrence Howard gets the 719. He still doesn't know what the 719 means. And he meets uh, that guy in the cafe, right? Lon. Lon in the Played cafe. by Armand Asante. Okay. I'm going to call him Lon. It's very you close should. to my name. Um, so I'll just stick with that. Uh, all right, so he meets Lon in the cafe, and Colin Farrell is up on a neighboring rooftop with a sniper rifle, and so much, you know, so many things are going going on at that point. For some reason, Beatrice is there. So I think that's one of the biggest, like, Deus Ex Machina kind of bullshit things, and that she does explain it afterwards that she's been following him for a while, and I think too you could just look at it as like she's kind of already falling for him and there we'll backtrack in a second to talk about a scene before that. But as she said, she's been following him for a while, probably since she saw him kill Polly and has been trying to figure out who this dude is. Um, and so it's one of those things like, yeah, it's probably just written that way. It could have written in another way. It's not so bad that she was there. It was so bad that not only was she the only one to spot him on the roof, but in the her side reverse mirrors of her car like come on yeah i mean that the fact that she was able to get to the side of the building he was on was it was just like fortuitous um i do like that scene though especially like the way he throws the one guy off and like that hangs him immediately breaks his neck and then he hangs down from it and shoots the other guy and i just love the way that the guy looks over he's like vic and then gets shot straight in the head and that dude's like always like a, a crime guy in movies that get shot um all that like that all that part's good. good yeah, yeah. I, I the, agree. now so the part i need you to explain to me is he got so he sent the key with the rest of the note to lon knowing that lon is going to give the key to terrence howard yeah that was the plan why didn't he just send it to terrence howard because he's also trying to fuck up everything with Lon. He needs Lon to know that all this bad stuff is happening, right? So he could just, Terrence Howard could have just said, oh, I killed Harry, the British guy, for whatever reason. And Lon would be like, okay, whatever. But you're, I'm getting all these letters and shit. I think someone's going to kill you. And so now you're out of all these business deals because you'll never pay back the, the loans. He talks about the loans, right? Mm -hmm. So he's trying to, he wants to like ruin his life before killing him. And also, it's just so they can have the cool reveal of, like, 
you know, as the rest of the note says, now you realize it's not the sevens, which is like, I think really cool. Oh, maybe, as, a little, maybe a little convoluted to get there, but I liked it. As a way to say that it, it's the, the way the sevens are written is not the thing that matters. Like, yeah, like you killed Harry for no reason and you start, like you've kind of fucked yourself a little bit. And now Lon's pissed at you. So but, then who, who did Colin Farrell send the text message, I see you found the key to? Terrence Howard? Yeah. Okay. Um, what I'm curious about is what was the plan? What was his plan? Because it sort of got ruined by Darcy. Yeah. That's what I was confused about too, because he, it looked like he was going to just shoot Terrence Howard right there and then. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure about that part. I think he may have just shot the driver and maybe another henchman or something just to fuck with him more. Um, or maybe he would have shot Lon and Terrence Howard would have gotten blamed for it. I don't know. It's kind of unanswerable, but it was like, what was, what was the plan there is a little confusing as to what, how things would have worked out. And maybe that's all he wanted to do is just kill a couple of the guys, make it easier later on, which he needed to because the last scene uh, required a lot out of him already. Yeah. Uh, one thing too. So the, the Albanian brother has been missing for two weeks. We find out Colin Farrell goes into the boat and gives him like a water bottle with like a gerbil like spigot thing that you gotta lick the ball to get water out and then gives him like two bites of a bar and then it's like all right bye and then takes a picture um that part is just like as i said earlier he's not a bad guy but he's on a mission he's so fucking cold-blooded like with what he's doing you know what it kind of reminded me of uh it kind of reminded me of law-abiding citizen gerard butler right have you seen that? I have. I know there's a weird... I don't really want to spoil it for people because that's not the movie we're talking about. I don't remember it very well. I know there's this like weird ending to it. Um, and the whole movie is kind of kind of based on that... Is it a twist? I don't know. Anyways, not talking about it, but simply referring to it, he's a guy who has basically lost everything and like still with some sort of like fucked up moral compass decides to get revenge and like not really care about who he hurts along the way except for the fact that everyone he hurts is bad so it's not as like morally um on the you know ethical borderline as law-abiding citizen um right i mean and he even you know chooses to not kill some of the bad guy, like some of the people that you would just say are bad guys because he knows deep down they're not like uh well then we come to the whole darcy story plot you know about. right which we'll get to uh real quick uh, we skipped over the the lawn part where or sorry before the lawn part he goes over to beatrice's has to take off his shoes the french mom is walking around not being able to hear anything um and he's, you know, tells her I'm not here by choice. You know, he's still like, Hey, I'm just over here because you're forcing me to. And she's trying to be really nice to him. And then uh, the one part I, I like about it, I think that's important is the mom comes over and like covers up her scars with her hair, Beatrice's hair, like over her scars. And then uh, I think it's, is it Colin Farrell moves the hair back off or maybe she moves the hair back off. I don't um, remember. Sorry she uncovers it 
But I think it was just like her doing that, I think is kind of like purposeful for the movie. I'm saying the director did it purposeful for her to like, she hides, she tries to hide those from everybody, but she's not trying to hide that from him. Like she is developing feelings for him while he at this point doesn't seem to be. Um, but I think that's the, like the subtlety we're t- like that I've been talking about with the movie. Do you um, find it weird through this entire uh, plot to uh, enact revenge for his wife and daughter that he's falling in love with someone else as he's doing that? Um, no. I, mean, I feel like I feel like that's a common plot in a lot of these revenge movies. It's like especially towards like a a wife or a girlfriend. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to avenge you, but I'm also kind of falling for the main chick. I mean, it's when they do this, it's like it goes, you know, there's always uh, another woman, right? There's always a somewhat love interest yes. and it goes one way or the other, right? Yes. Like it's so it's like Either way it goes, you're like you're gonna have half of your audience disappointed or whatever. There are people gonna be like they never end up together. They should have, or uh, of course he's just he's over his wife now. Apparently, I don't remember what movie it was, but it was definitely um, it was definitely a kind of this type of movie, and it ended up that the the girl, the act, the um, the female character who was supposed to be set up as this like love interest as he's avenging his wife it just turned out that she was the villain and i was like that's cool like that's a cool twist you know well now i hope you don't remember what the movie is so you don't ruin another movie i'm not gonna remember the movie but i thought that was just a a really cool kind of way to do a, a classic trope right um and real quick we get the small scene where darcy is taking over paulie's job because he wants to figure out what happened he's trying to move up in Alphonse's organization, uh, Terrence Howard. And he goes to that guy, you know, who took this picture. It's, it's, it is like just Sally Airy at one point later on in the movie is like, Oh, they'd have to be really lucky to figure it out. The first guy was really lucky. And of course, Darcy figures it out, like follows the exact same breadcrumbs. But that also sets up Darcy calling in Colin Farrell and all the other guys to be like, Hey, we need to go to this meeting because something, something's not right. Yeah. Um, I really like that whole kind of plot line. Even I was confused about where it was leading and then, and then I figured it out. Um, the other thing too, did you notice you, you talked about some of the editing choices being shitty? I thought the spot, like when Colin Farrell starts running down the stairs and the bad guys are running up the way the camera spirals through the opening in the stairs, I thought it was a really cool shot. Of course you would. I actually mentioned it to uh, Taylor as it was happening and I called it a basic bitch stairway shot because of course that's how you shoot a spiral staircase through the middle of it. That's how everyone shoots a spiral staircase through the middle of it. Did you shoot it that way on candy corn? I, sh- <laughs> I shot, you know, actually one of our assignments in film school was to shoot a stairway in like five different ways, avoiding that one specific way because everyone does that one way. They also did it again at the end of the movie with the hole in the house, but that's not a stairway. That's just... That was cool. I accept that. I did did not accept the basic bitch stairway shot. Except it's spiraling. It's turning. The camera was turning. Yes, I understand that, David, but that even makes it worse. Nah. I'm pretty sure sure that shot was invented 
in Hitchcock's Vertigo, specifically to show Vertigo. And then everyone was like, oh, what a cool shot. I want to use it all the time. And there we go. Bet you if Scorsese did it, you'd be all over his dick, wouldn't you? Well, I appreciate you bringing it up so I can completely tear it apart. Nah, nah. It was a cool shot. Don't care. You know the reason everyone does it? Because it's fucking cool, Alon. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, at, moving on. I think... Well, hold on. Okay. Hold on. Okay. What were you going to say next? Do you know no, what's you, next? You told me... No, you say, You told me to hold on. You say what's next. Um, so Darcy explains to Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, like, escapes the building. He's making out with Beatrice, and then they come up and tap on the window, and they're like, what the fuck? He's like, oh, I just got here. You told me to get here. Um, but Darcy starts explaining to him that, oh, I'm taking over Polly's job to figure this out. And obviously this worries Colin Farrell and you can tell in his like brooding staring off at him because he likes Darcy. Like he likes him a lot. He's probably like the only friend in the world he really has before Beatrice, you know? Um, What's crazy is at the end end of the movie, you learn that (laughs) that Victor uh, is Darcy's son's godfather. And they've only, and they've only been working together for They've only known each other for like three months. Well, no, no, uh, 14. fourteen. They started. They started around the same time. Yeah, still weird. Still, like, yeah, okay. Doesn't make weird. any. Doesn't make it any less weird. I mean, it does. I mean, fourteen months versus. Uh, I guess three? it makes it slightly less weird. I don't there. know. We're not gonna. We're not gonna create a scale. Um, and then the the part you already talked about the key that he sent to Lon. Lon gives Terrence Howard, opens the mailbox, and you get a recording of Colin Farrell's daughter's voice um, with a thick accent. But still, you you know, one of the things when I first watched this movie that was very confusing to me, and they don't explain it, but I think they purposely don't explain it, is how the fuck does Terrence Howard not know what Colin Farrell looked like when he killed him? And it's because... He didn't kill him. He yeah, but he had people take care of it. But I mean, you you would think maybe he like knew what the guy looked like at least that he ordered the killing of. But you know, not necessarily. And I think that's kind of the so, point. God, I I wish I I don't know. There's so much dialogue in this movie. I was like, yeah, it was a wonder what I pay attention to. But um, why after shooting his daughter through the wall, why did they proactively want to kill the mom and dad? Oh, well, the next scene explains that because Beatrice brings back his gun and then he kind of lit. This is like the main exposition scene, which we're like, what, an hour into the movie at this point, if not more. But he says his name's Laszlo. He's Hungarian. He came to America with his wife uh, to work. He's an engineer and that he lived in one of Alphonse's buildings. And in order to scare people out, they shot up the building and they killed his daughter. And him and his wife were going to testify. So Alphonse hired these Albanian guys to kill them to make sure they didn't testify. Got it. Um, and that is, yeah, it's 50, I wrote it down. It's 50 minutes into the movie. Um, and I like the line that Beatrice gives right after that. It's not prison you're afraid of. It's that you won't get revenge. And so that's how she, that's how she knows for sure that she can count on him to kill this guy. Because, yeah. like, that's going to be way more important to him. Yeah, makes sense. It's also, 
once again, a little bit on the nose writing, but I liked it is the daughter just kept repeating daddy keeps care of the monsters when he's watching the video. Yep. And I was like, okay, yeah, I get what you're doing there. Don't yep. play it 14 times. Just play it a couple times. Speaking of monsters, right? The kids who keep tormenting Beatrice and calling her a monster. Uh, they just beat the shit out of a grown woman in the in broad daylight, a bunch of like middle schoolers. Yeah, I mean, I guess New York's rough. I don't know. <laughs> Especially that neighborhood, I guess. It's just such a weird, like, such a weird um, forced like with, way of doing it. Right. I like Darcy in the end when he gets in Colin Farrell's apartment. He's like, oh, this is a fucking shithouse. That's yeah, not so, a good neighborhood. It's not. No, you have little kids. It'll just scream at a lady because she has some scars on her face. Scream. They beat, they threw like a rock at her face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what, it's not clear. Does the rock hit her in the face and cause that gash? Or did she trip because she's a little bit of a klutz, you know? Does it matter? It's just, you know. No, it doesn't matter. Did you want a scene where Colin Farrell just beats the shit out of like the big one or I something? I thought we were working up to that. I thought like he, he sees it or she tells him and then they're like all playing basketball and then he walks up and he's like, can I play some b-ball? And they were like, what do you want, old man? And then he's like, I thought that would have been cool. That'll be in the second one, which will be like a buddy dark comedy with Colin Farrell and Dominic Cooper. Yeah. That's, that's the sequel yeah. we need. It's called uh, Dead Men Down. Yes, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Because there's two. Yeah. Yeah, we get a couple like random just short clips right after this. Beatrice goes back to the beauty parlor. Colin Farrell's following the drunk guy. Um, the way Alphonse Terrence Howard finds the phone tap in his cell phone, he's like, oh, maybe I should check this. This guy's listening in a lot. And then it just takes him. He like opens the back of his phone. He's like, I don't see it. Turns his phone upside down. And he's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> huge fucking thing I don't recognize. You know, quite honestly, David, if I had a, a tap in my cell phone, I opened it up and I looked into my inside my cell phone and it just was right there in front of me i'd probably be like yeah that's that's supposed to be there right I, that, goes, that's a, that goes there that's part of the phone just i'm not being tapped yeah if i'm a criminal mastermind hopefully hopefully i would know different but yeah that part i don't know um and then colin farrell goes to the warehouse to prep and he's getting all these explosives he has put a lot of explosives into this warehouse he is going to make a big mess. Um, and I like the way all the other henchmen come in, which by the way, this is a warehouse we've never seen before. Yes. So it's also confusing as to like what the fuck's going on. This movie is made to confuse you a little bit until the end. Um, but I like the way mm -hmm. he like sneaks back through the bathroom and just like, what? Oh yeah, I've been here the whole time. I was thinking shit. I think, <laughs> I think we do have to not give the movie too much credit. Because is it confusing because it's meaning to be convoluted or is it confusing due to poor writing and bad camera placement? And I well, here's think what, a little bit of both. I'll say, here's what I'll say to that. This movie is confusing if you're going to watch it one time because it was confusing to me. Um, if you watch it multiple times, which I talk about all the time now, but it, it took me three times this time. 
Um, maybe not. But if you watch it multiple times, everything is in there you need to make sense of the movie. No, I know. But there are a few things that is still like, it makes sense. The movie makes sense. But could they have done it in a better, clearer, more concise way? And I think the answer is yes. I mean, if the director didn't want to dumb it down for people like you, I'm not going to. I'm not okay. going to tell him to. It's not about... I. Okay. Never, ever, I will, I will repeat, never tell me that a movie produced by WWE is too smart for me. Okay, please? I appreciate that. Give you that much credit? Give me that much credit. <laughs> okay. Um, so after this, uh, another phone call with Salieri. Uh, they talk about this new security system. And they realize that it's jamming his signal. And so that the signal will only now work. The remote will only work from the inside. Um, and at the same time, Beatrice walks in and she sees this inner room with all the pictures and everything. His like, his like dartboard with strings all over it room is basically yep. what this is. Yeah. Um, and then she gets super upset because she heard everything and realizes that he's going to have to kill himself to do what he wants. And uh, she does not want that. Without that part of the movie, without that kind of forceful, uh, hey, the remote's not going to work unless you're inside the building plotline. <laughs> Again, kind of forced. Um, her sending the tape of the uh, Albanians saying, um, hey, Alphonse is the one who captured me. I'm in his warehouse right now. Um, it couldn't, it would have gone super smooth. Like they were all got in there. There would have been a big shootout. And then from a distance, uh, Colin Farrell would have blown them all to pieces. The whoever was left of the survivors. Um, but she didn't do that. And not that it wouldn't have mattered anyways, because they got the package in a way that they couldn't even watch anything like, well, so he couldn't have, he would have had to have killed himself to blow them up, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's the reason she stopped him. No, but it didn't, uh, it didn't matter because they never watched the thing anyways. Well, right, because she refused to send it because she heard that he was no, going to kill himself. No, no, no. Listen, hear me out. She sends the rabbit foot instead. Right. They get the package and they're already on their way to Terrence Howard's place. They're not even going to the warehouse because the package arrived too late anyways. You're telling me that if they got the same mysterious package with a video in it, that they wouldn't have said, all right, hold on, let's go back inside real quick and watch this. Because they didn't open it until they were already at Terrence Howard's place. Oh, that's true. That's when he picked it up and he was like, what the fuck is this? The rabbit foot. Yeah, so it wouldn't have even mattered the only way, the only reason that happened is for her to have the video in her purse and for some reason have Terrence Howard's unprotective password laptop in his closet ready to go. But if you're as, if you're as big a, a dude as Terrence Howard in this like underworld, you don't need to password protect stuff. It was in a safe room. I guess that was a closet. It kind of felt like a safe room. You're telling why me. You have your, why, does he have his, why does he have his laptop in his safe room? <laughs> that, and you're telling me that a guy who spends that much money on bodyguards and security systems and everything like that 
isn't going to have a password protected laptop? This was years ago. People didn't realize how unsafe the internet was, you know? I'm just saying. So talking about packages being sent to the Albanians, which by the way, like we barely get the Albanians names. Like the main guy is named Alir and that's all we know. I'm pretty sure none of them talk much more than just four or five lines. Well, the one that dies talks a lot. The first one that dies talks quite a bit. There you go. Yes. Alir talks a little bit, but uh, they sent, he sent the picture he took of the brother in the ship to Alir. Um, He sees it. It's like, oh, it's the same bogus address as before. And this is all just to let you know that. So Colin Farrell has been sending this to Terrence Howard, to Lon, to the Albanians, like, and this has been going on for a while and you kind of, it further builds in your mind, like, okay, we've been dropped into this in the middle of the story. Like this is like, this has been in the works. Um, the next scene, and this is one that I think you can have a problem with. And maybe it's the reason it doesn't work, but Alphonse's fake meeting is so fucking obvious. Oh yeah. He's like, Oh, you know, we're gonna have a meeting at nine. He's like, no one knows but you. <laughs> it's just like, so if anyone else shows up. <laughs> so I mean, if that's true though, why the hell did Colin Farrell show up? Well, because the they don't spell this out, but he didn't show up to the nine o'clock meeting. But then, uh, because no one showed up, Alphonse called him, and he even says in that meeting, "You're the only person I can trust." Okay. Okay. So, so Colin Farrell knew it was a setup. Right. Yeah. He didn't fall for it, but I get your, you know, I even wrote this down that like, you're supposed to think that he fell for Alphonse's trap because he walks in and Alphonse is sitting there and the dudes are sitting there in the, in the shadows with their guns. Um, But then he says, you know, did you tell Darcy? He's like, no, you texted me to not tell anyone. And then he just, he just brings him food. (laughs) <laughs> like the whole text was just like, Hey, I'm hungry. Bring me some food. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's some very, once again, on the nose dialogue of the person that doing this to me is hurt. They've lost someone. They're in a great deal of pain. And that person's probably wondering how much I know and what am I thinking? And Colin Farrell's like, yeah. Yeah. What are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, um yeah and then we get to okay so you took a step back a little bit i'm gonna take a step forward because we get to the point where he sets up the bombs at the warehouse uh you find out that beatrice did not send the letter and you also find out that colin farrell did not kill the bmw guy which i thought was a really cool reveal I like that a lot. Um, and, it, and it could, you could see that this is what she wanted, but he knew this is not what she wanted, which is a weird way of like thinking that your situation is different than hers. Because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you want revenge, but revenge isn't going to really solve your problem. Um, so I'm going to show you what revenge is going to get you, make you regret it, and then tell you that, you never the guy's still alive so you never got your revenge anyways it's gonna make you feel a whole hell of a lot better so he can do that to her but he doesn't figure out that he's in the same situation but he's like no 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 my situation is different i i need my revenge 
We'll talk about it when we get to it, but his situation is quite different than hers. We can talk about it now. She had a drunk driver who hit her and didn't mean to hit her, but did something very stupid and dangerous. Alphonse shot his daughter and then ordered an Albanian hit squad to kill him and his wife. I, I, I don't see a difference. Okay, that's good. Same, same thing to me. Um, the next scene I want to talk about to back back up where we were is when he tells the Albanian brother, hey, Alphonse is going to kill you. Um, you need to record this. He records the, the very important tape that is actually not really that important, but plays a, a small role in the end. But I love when he pulls off the Albanian brother's blindfold and he says, we killed, we killed you all. And I love Colin Farrell. I swear on their graves you didn't. And then he repeats it. And I'm like, you only really need to say it once. But it's such a cool line. I swear on their graves you didn't. And I love that he breaks open the rats who you think are just going to be hungry, right? right. They're just going to eat this guy alive. And he's screaming, don't do this to me. Don't let me die this way. And he wants him to go through like the maximum like anxiety and mental anguish of like, I'm about to be eaten alive. And then he just shoots him in the fucking head, which I like. Because once again, he's a bad guy but he's not a bad guy. Oh my God. But the next Salieri combo where he's like, you know, you need to go after the girl. Um, but he's also like, Colin Farrell's like, well, they found the cemetery. And he's like, Salieri's like, you can walk away, right? Like you don't, you don't need to keep doing this. You can walk away. You can start over, go after the girl. He's like, the reason you haven't killed Alphonse yet is because you're afraid it won't mend your heart. You're afraid it won't make you whole. And it's probably true, you know? Um, yeah. You talked about the kids throwing rocks. We find out that Beatrice was the one that cooked. Um, the next part I really want to talk about, I think is important is, and it's very subtle, but she gets blood all over her dress, right? And as Colin Farrell comes over to get the tracking number, which, why did you need to get the tracking number? Couldn't she have just texted you what the number was? I don't know, man. Whatever. Um, he decides to buy her a new dress. And he's sitting at the park, just kind of relaxing. And you can kind of see it in his face. He's like, you know, maybe I could fall for this woman. Maybe I could just walk away. Maybe I could just give up on my revenge. And then he gets that call from Darcy and all Darcy says is Laszlo Carrick, his name, right? And just brings him right back. And I love when Colin Farrell just gets up and walks away from the dress. You know, he says he can't come to help because, you know, Darcy says, come, I want to tell Alphonse about this. And he's like, I can't come. I'm in the middle of something. But it's like he had sort of mentally gotten out of this world and then that one phone call is like, no, nah, fuck, I can't. I got to I gotta finish this. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, I really, really loved him telling him that the, his car doesn't work and he needs to be picked up uh, as a way to save him, which in turn of being a, a bad guy, but not a bad guy, as you love to put it, is the thing that, again, screws him in the end. Uh, you talked about how he goes to the bar, right? And she originally thought, oh, we're going to go on a date. He's like, no. He takes her to the bar and he's like, hey, I want to make sure this drunk guy's there. I'm going to kill him tomorrow. 
But then for some reason, he just goes over and pretends to kill him right then, which is a little confusing why he changed his mind and decided to do that. Um, and you also have the scene where he's like, you know, I don't know why you thought something was going to happen between us because I never said it would. And she's like, well, you didn't say it with words, which is true. Like we even as we as the audience kind of saw that happening, right? Like we saw them developing feelings for each other, but he couldn't give up on his revenge. And then he just like abruptly like, hey, I wouldn't, I killed him. It's done. Gives it like the bloody BMW piece, which I think is kind of appropriate too, because like she was hit by his car. Yeah. And now he like got blood all over the guy's BMW, like with his head, basically. Symbolism. A little bit. Um, and then Alphonse and the crew are at the cemetery and they see the, the grave site. And they realize that tomorrow is the two year anniversary of the little girl's death. Yeah. Which I guess he could have done it two years from the wife's death. He could have had a little more time, but I guess this is when he decided he wanted to do it. This was the enticing incident. It was. It enticed the shit out of me. Um, also, Beatrice plucks that woman's eyebrows. I remember, I thought it was going to be something more graphic. I remembered it more graphic, but really it's like, she can get that fixed. And she just grow her eyebrows out again. Yeah, you can draw it on for a little bit. Um, also, Alphonse calls the Albanians, and this is what incites them to go, I, I can't remember, I don't know where they're going with the guns, right? But Alphonse calls them, and I, I guess he must assume he's still being tapped, but like, who is he being tapped by? Because he talks as if he's being tapped by like police or the feds, right? Because he's like, hey, that, uh, that opera, right? Did the, uh, did the Hungarians, did you stay for the final bow? And like, is this all this code, which is fairly fucking obvious, but the the look in Alir's eyes is like, oh, fuck, I did not see that guy die. Which is also like, why did you stay to see him die? Right. Well, I mean, um, yeah, I, I think, where were they going with all the guns? I guess you're right. That was never really explained, was it? I think they probably were just going over to Alphonse's. I think they were meeting up to figure things out is probably what was happening. That's what they ended up doing anyway. Um, yeah. And then as you say, Darcy calls Vic and Vic's like, come pick me up, you know, and that is truly just to save him. Um, well, even, then, even after that, um, Beatrice, that's when um, Colin Farrell finds out Beatrice did not send the, the tape. Um, and that's when she found out that he did not kill the guy. Um, I think a letter was sent. This was like his suicide note. Well, he, said he, he, he said he, he's still alive, make more moments. And then she goes to go find the guy and, yeah. uh, and sees him there. And you can tell that like she thought she wanted this and yeah. then she really doesn't. And she's so like right. relieved that, he's, that she didn't have this man killed. Um, and then they get on the phone like, hey, um, I did this for you. And she's like, oh, I did this for you. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I know. But then the bad thing about it is that she decides to go back to the apartment to wait for him because um, she has it in her mind that they can just like run away together at this point. But who's there but the guy he sent over there? Darcy. And Darcy like completely breaks in, sees the whole room. gets. <laughs> I love when they make eye contact and she tries to run like that was ever going to work. Um, but 
I, I also, real quick, probably one of the only funny moments in the movie is when the guy with the mail, with the piece of mail, the package, walks up and he's like, Ilar? <laughs> As they're carrying like automatic weapons. Yeah. And he just, his signature is he just draws a line down the pad. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty good. It's also kind Sorry. of funny, like Colin Farrell's just sitting in the uh, in the factory, like with the bomb detonator strapped to his arm, he's just checking his watch. Like, where the fuck is everybody? <laughs> yeah, which which gets him to to figure it out that they're not coming. Yeah, because um, she didn't she didn't send the video. Instead, she sent a rabbit's foot. And instead, she gets to his apartment, which we just talked about. So she gets captured by Darcy. Um, he she's on the phone with him. Darcy's like, "Hey, you better meet me here, or she's dead." Um, and he's like, okay. Because I think the dialogue is really great. Because Darcy grabs the phone and is like, Laszlo, you fucking lied to me. And I love the way Colin Farrell's like, I don't want to kill you, let her go. And he just keeps saying, like, the way he says let her go, um, I think is really great. And what is great about this, and it's probably one of the things that people might have a problem with this movie, and specifically the way the movie ends because it's just a 10 minute action sequence at the end of the movie. That's unlike most of the rest of the movie, but Colin Farrell's character, Laszlo Carrick in this movie is a complete fucking badass. Yeah. And there isn't some big exposition scene to let you know that, like, you know, he was in the military, you know, he's got these crazy connections. You can tell from like this whole plan he set up and some of the scenes before that he knows what he's doing. But it's all pieced together, one with him, just with him telling Darcy, like, I don't want to kill you because it's like, this is another, this is another person. And if I want to kill you, I'll just kill you because I'm not fucking good, right? Like, I, if I choose to kill you, you're going to die. Like, you can't kill me, I can kill you. Um, and then this leads to this last scene, which is just so fucking good. Like, I, I love the last 10 minutes. So the last 10 minutes are awesome but i'm a big fan of the first 30 seconds of the last 10 minutes because and i guess i had subtitles on so i kind of gave it away kind of but you could hear it so alphonse and uh laszlo are on the phone with each other and basically laszlo is like i know we've switched his name so many times i guess i'll just keep calling him colin farrell because that's who he is Colin Farrell's like, um, don't hurt her. Don't, you know, don't kill her. Don't hurt her. And he's like, well, you know, by the time you come here, she won't be here anymore. And then with not even responding to that, he just like throws the phone in the passenger seat. It cuts back to the interior of the house. And in the subtitles, it's just truck engine revving or right. truck engine increase. Uh, and I didn't know what was coming until like five seconds before i was like oh no way is he and then yep he just crashes the whole truck right through the 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 front of the house well even right before that too when all the phones started ringing which i don't understand how he was able to make happen with his one cell phone did not get that either don't question it maybe he put in a call to salieri he's like get all your guys on their phones i'm gonna send you all these numbers start making just has a call like a call room like a (laughs) yeah um, and really quick, right before that, though, Darcy, such a fucking drama queen, instead of just coming in and being like, hey, Laszlo is Victor, 
they're the same person. He grabs all the picture pieces and is like playing them down one by one until Colin's Farrell, Colin Farrell's face is the last piece. It's like, this is how I tell you. Yeah. Um, and then the big shootout, which is like, I guess we could break it down, but honestly, I, it's just a big old shootout. I did enjoy a lot when the, um, the truck blew up. That was, that was cool. Yeah. I mean, the man knows his explosives. I, do you think he just pulled that off of part of the warehouse? He's like, I'll probably need this later. That's what I thought. Like probably. he, he's like, I'm not going to need all these explosives in here. So I'm just going to take four or five and put them in my truck. Although, yeah, could you imagine if he got a fender bender on his way over there? God. Well, hopefully he designed them in such a way that like a little rattle doesn't make them go off. Well, I mean, he crashed through the right. front of a house, so. He designed them well. Um, I do also like, so, you know, he kills all the bad people um, except for Alir and Alphonse. And Darcy. Right. I, the moment with Darcy where, once again, I said, like, you know, if he wants to kill someone, he can. He comes up behind Darcy. Darcy looks in a mirror and sees him standing there. And he just, like, holds the gun on him for, like, five seconds and then just runs off. Just like, hey, I saved your life. Um, but as you explained, Alphonse does not have a password-protected computer or Beatrice is some sort of hacker. And she starts playing the video on the computer. Kind of unnecessary. But it is cool that this causes Alir to just raise his gun at Alphonse and Alphonse like, what the fuck are you doing? Don't do that. And, and also, like, it's a little bit odd that Alir would just believe that because very clearly this other dude's a huge problem and might be the one that did all this. But it's also believable that he could be like, all right, well, you know, something happened. But my, this is my brother who is dead, probably saying this is the person who did this to me. So. Did it, did it also bother you, now that I think about it, that she set this whole video thing up not even knowing that Alir was in the closet behind her? Well, it was playing through his uh, speakers. Yeah, but she grabbed the chip out of her purse. She sets it up with... Alir is probably dead. He goes she, out. He has the homemade grenade explode in his face. He's bloody next time we see him. Like, how... Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but she, so she doesn't know that Alir has had the grenade blown up because she like she's not out there, and she also is just like, hey, hopefully there's some Albanians out there, and hopefully you know this main one who I don't know his name because they don't say it a lot, but it's Alir. Hopefully they hear this and that causes you know some some trouble for Terrence Howard so I can live. Um, uh, it works out. Oh, by the way, she did know Alir's name. Okay, well, very good. You know how I know? How do you know? Because the package guy had to say his name. And for him to know the name, she had to say it when she dropped the package off. Very smart. Yeah. Very smart. Mm -hmm. I know. But she didn't know that that guy was a leader. No. But he is holding the package. He seems like the main guy. Um, Anyway, the movie uh, doesn't want Colin Farrell to be the one to get his revenge. So Alir and Terrence Howard shoot each other. And then as Colin Farrell's walking out, he's like, I could shoot you to make sure you're dead, but nah, so we're, we're all good here. I'm done. Um, and I like, there's two last like little components to this movie, but Darcy like raises his gun at him and he's like, did you not kill me because I have a wife and kid? And he's like, I didn't kill you because they have you. Cheesy. But effective. I'll, I'll allow it. 
Well, it's the truth, though. He's like, I don't want to. I know. It's the, I know. It's just. The, it's fine. Maybe when you have a when you have a kid along, you'll understand. I thought you were going to be like maybe when you make a blockbuster action pack movie, you'll understand. And then, yeah, I mean, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but the kissing scene is like, it's one of those things where I, I don't, you could have accomplished just as much by not having it, but how, you know, they kiss and then the movie fades to black. You could have had them just stare at each other. And did you feel like, like a, when he meets her in the closet, they were about to kiss, but she was so like, her mouth was covered in blood. He was like, eh, not now. And then right after Darcy puts down his gun, it's like another opportunity for a kiss. And it's like, eh, not now. But then, of course, on the subway back, it's like, okay, now we kiss. You know what I don't understand logistically is Alphonse seems to live in a pretty nice neighborhood. Why is he so close to a subway? That's a good point. Another good point is imagine you're riding on the Marta and you see these two people, bloody, sweaty, dripping wet, come in and just start making out. That seems, that seems like a Tuesday on the Marta. That <laughs> does, quite honestly. I, I'd be asking some some hard pressed questions right there. But <laughs> you do not go up to people on the Marta and just ask them questions. Hey, why 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 are you covering blood? <laughs> Especially that question. I gotta know. <laughs> yeah, um, I really loved this watch of this movie like this last time um i think it it does have some small issues here and there but i don't really think it overshadows like how good it is overall how good the components are um and just like such an amazing spiral shot through those stairs you know listen the movie was good movie certainly wasn't great but it was uh uh Pretty decent for a WWE studio movie. I'll give it that. Probably the best one ever made. Even over the call. Have you seen the call? I have not. We're not doing it. What? No, no. You make me watch this one. We're doing the call. It's not today. It's not tomorrow. But we're doing the call. We can. I actually. The thing. The reason I don't want to do it is I know how it ends. Oh. So. Oh. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Dead Man Down.